Welcome to day 19 of Shaped by the Word, season three, the story of the prophets. And of course, as we enter the story of the prophets, uh, we enter the last third of our Bibles, and we also enter into the last portion of Israel's history as a unified nation. Uh, they have had their high moments under David as king, and of course, God has promised that there will one day be a king after his own heart like David, but they've had many kings and many rulers and many priests, and all of them have been unfaithful, and all of them have chased after their own desires and their own means, and they have led the people astray. And of course, the people are not innocent in this, and Hosea gives us you know, a really harsh picture that uh, in the same way somebody's heart would be broken over unquieted love of an unfaithful spouse, so God's heart is broken over the unfaithfulness of Israel. And so the picture is one that's common in the prophets. There is both the invitation to return to the God who has loved them, and also the warning of the impending judgment for those who have rejected the covenant and broken faith with the God who is so deeply uh, faithful with them. So as we finish up this week in Hosea and have a little bit of Hosea left next week, uh, let's do as we always do when we approach Scripture. Let's offer ourselves and and this moment to the Lord. Uh, David, do you mind lifting us up with a word of prayer? No, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for a few moments in your word. Um, we ask that it would truly shape us, um, not just in our minds, but in our hearts, and, and then it would be lived out through our hands that we would be your people um, with hearts that deeply delight in you and, and love you. And so, Father, we ask that you, through your spirit, would be at work doing that in our lives through your word. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hosea chapter 8. Put the trumpet to your lips. An eagle is over the house of the Lord because the people have broken my covenant and are rebelled against my law. Israel cries out to me. Our God, we acknowledge you, but Israel has rejected what is good. An enemy will pursue him. They set up kings without my consent. They choose princes without my approval. With their silver and gold, they make idols for themselves to their own destruction. Samaria, throw out your calf idols. My anger burns against them. How long will they be incapable of purity? They are from Israel. This calf, a metal worker has made it. It is not God. It will be broken in pieces, that calf of Samaria. They sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. The stalk has no head. It will produce no flower. Were it to yield grain, foreigners would swallow it up. Israel is swallowed up. Now she is among the nations like something no one wants. For they have gone up to Syria like a wild donkey wandering alone. Ephraim has sold herself to her lovers. Although they have sold themselves among the nations, I will now gather them together. They will begin to waste away under the oppression of the mighty king. Though Ephraim built many altars for sin offerings, these have become altars for sinning. I wrote for them uh, many things of my law, but they regarded them as something foreign. Though they offer sacrifices of gifts to me, and though they eat the meat, the Lord is not pleased with them. Now he will remember their wickedness and punish their sins. They will return to Egypt. Israel has forgotten their maker and built palaces. Judah has fortified many towns, but I'll send fire on their cities that will consume their fortresses. You're reminded of Paul's words in, in Galatians, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. Uh, we always you know, reap you know, what we have sown. If we, you know, reap, if we sow to please the flesh from the flesh, we'll reap destruction. If we sow to please the Spirit from the Spirit, uh, we'll reap life. And, and, of course, you have this 
very poignant phrase, they have sown to the wind. It was just kind of a little breeze, but now it has become a whirlwind that will completely consume them. So their sins are turned back on themselves. As our sins will always be, uh, you know, later, you know, Jeremiah will say, my people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, the spring of living water, true source of refreshment, encouragement, and revival. And they've dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that will never never hold water so uh, they're dying of famine they're dying of thirst they're dying of uh, separation from their god and yet they continue to pursue their sin in their own means and we see that that pursuit you know talks about a little bit in verse four you know with their silver and gold they make idols for themselves and that pursuit is to their own destruction you know so often we turn to those empty cisterns that aren't filled with the water that would truly satisfy it leads to our destruction and I'm just glad we don't do that these days, but they seem to do it back then. But it's so easy to see ourselves right here in that same picture with our silver and gold, pursuing things, making things for ourselves that that aren't going to truly satisfy and, and sadly, not even just not satisfying, will lead to destruction. Yeah. Well, you know, Jesus said, you know, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Uh, for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Uh, man cannot serve two masters. Either he'll love the one and hate the other, be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and and he uses the word that King James captures it kind of nicely, mammon, your, your stuff. And so while we don't have, you know, little images made of gold and silver, we do kind of like gold and silver and the things that can buy and the things that can do do for us. Even when they say this calf, a metal worker has made it. It's not God. Like that was made by someone. Like you're going to worship that thing? Mm-hmm. And uh, again, glad we don't do that. But no, we absolutely do. I would say even along with that, um, in 13, when he says, now God will remember their wickedness and punish their, punish their sins, they will return to Egypt. And you have that picture of Egypt, you know, and all that's equated with Egypt, which was bondage and captivity. And yet that's exactly what, you know, our sin or our idolatry does to us as well. It keeps us in bondage it's a, yes it returns us to you know to slavery and of course yeah. you know, e- egypt here is while some of them would you know try to escape to egypt is literally assyria you would be gone into a land of foreign captivity you'd be ruled over by another king and uh, you will not uh, you know not prosper the way that you have under uh, david you will not prosper the way that you have under the lord mm-hmm. and under his blessing and so the image that you're going to see throughout you know the prophets is uh images of exile and return or images of of the new exodus Mm -hmm. that god will one day again call his people out of captivity Mm -hmm. and restore them to himself Mm -hmm. when you have to i mean thinking about just how deep our idolatry goes our sin goes you know i mean you get even the calves i mean it just reminded the golden calf you know and kind of that imagery but verse 12 i wrote for them many things of my law yet they regarded them as something foreign and we've talked about this i mean mm-hmm. you know hosea has already been quick to point out that they don't listen to god's word they don't there is no knowledge of god among them mm-hmm. you know but here it is saying man i've spoke to them i've revealed to them i've brought them out they've forgotten their maker yeah i mean these images it's not just that israel is you know maybe possibly gonna and then they've rejected him altogether they don't care to hear you know 
from him. They don't care to, to respond to his word. And, and yet what they prefer to do in verse 14 is, you know, Israel's forgotten their maker and built palaces. Judah's fortified many towns. You know, they've just decided to sit in their comfort and their luxury and their wealth in God's name, but mm-hmm. they're not safe from me. You know, they seem safe, and yet their sins will find them out. And, and of course, the way that we talked about this a little bit you know, yesterday when we talked about you have said bad things about me or you have spoken evil about me. And of course, that's what happened in the garden. Is uh, enemy, you know, kind of gave us a hint. God is God is restricting to withhold from you. Uh, but of course, when we move to the two New Testament, you know, James talks about the perfect law that that brings freedom. Mm-hmm. And so God's you know God's law is not meant to restrict us from good things, but in order to save us for good things. And it's in it that we thrive, and in it that we have His, you know, His good and His gracious rule over our lives. And when we begin to uh, resist His law, uh, we actually resist His greatest gifts, the freedom that He gives us through His presence with us and through His direction in our life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we could probably say too that, yeah, a lot of times when we do find ourselves, maybe, you know stuck in, in seasons of disobedience or sin or just apathy uh, I mean usually some of the first things to go are is that regular attending to God you know through his word hearing from him responding to him and most of the time it's just we've moved on to other things and we're entertaining our idolatry whether we realize it or not you know and it takes the gracious hand of God to remind us you know oftentimes through his word that we've we've strayed he hasn't moved we've moved yeah, and, and we're seeing that with his people. Yeah, our attitude is far from that of David in his his most surrendered moment. How I love your statutes; mm-hmm. they are more precious to me than much fine gold, and sweeter to me also than honey, mm-hmm. you know, from the honeycomb. And of course, when we are in our, our right heart and mind, we we treasure God's guidance, and we treasure, you know, the uh, the boundaries that He has set up for us. Because to walk in them is to walk into His freedom, and to walk into His grace, and to experience. His fullness in, in His presence. No, it is a sad thing to think about the the people of God, Israel here. His words and many things He had for them, they they were foreign to Him, as Matt was talking about. And I mean, what a sad thing to think about that the Word of God, that all the beauty of it and the instruction of it, and how it points to Christ. I mean, may it not be true of us that that we it be foreign to us, and that we we wouldn't be pursuing him through his word to know him and and to hear from him and and so even for me that's a, just a good reminder to to not let the word be no. foreign in my life and, and you hear that play on the words even though Ephraim has built uh, many offer you know many altars to offer sin offerings they've actually become altars for sinning and uh, whenever our worship of God becomes manipulation of God for our own ends, without regards to the th- without regard to the things that God has has asked of us, uh, they become, you know, not not a sin offering, but they an or not an altar for offerings and offerings, but an altar of sin. Mm-hmm. Even even our worship, you know, can fall far short when it's more centered on us than it is centered on God. Yeah, And we see that in verse 2. It says, Israel, Israel cries out to me. It's, well, first, they've rebelled against my law. They've broken my you know, my covenant. They've rebelled against my law. He says, Israel cries out to me. Our God, we acknowledge you. But Israel has rejected what is good, and an enemy will pursue him. That, I mean, even in our worship, you know, our, in the appearance of our worship, that we can acknowledge the Lord with our lips. You know, the Lord mm-hmm. takes offense that 
our, you know, our lives don't look like our profession. No, that's, of course, what Paul quotes Isaiah is saying. These people come near me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Mm -hmm. uh, their words are right, their doctrines are right, but their hearts are not right. And, of course, that's uh, what God is, is looking for. He's looking for uh, you know, people with clean, hand, clean hands and a pure heart that can ascend through his hill and send in his presence. And, and, of course, you open chapter 1 with put a trumpet to your lips, an eagle is over the house of the Lord. And, and what a twist of phrase is that is, because when, you entered, when they entered covenant, he said, I have brought you here on the wings of an eagle. In other words, I have hovered over you like a, a mother, you know, eagle would hover over a young and have brought you up out of Egypt to this place to bring you into relationship with me. Here, the eagle is a far more ominous, ominous figure, not one hovering over for their protection, but one who is ravaging them in judgment. And, of course, a symbol of Assyria and, and their ultimate defeat as well. It's been a good week. It's been fun reading with you. been... Uh, I say fun reading Hosea. Hosea is both a convicting book and an encouraging book. Ultimately, we we should be encouraged. You know, if we start the very beginning of Hosea and we see an unfaithful wife that is breaking the heart of one who has loved her deeply and is willing to buy her back, uh, we see in there a portrait of God who loves us deeply and regardless of how far we've strayed away from him, is willing to pursue us, to love us, and has purchased us you know, with his blood. So I hope you've been encouraged in, in, in a week that's been mixed with brilliant uh, invitations or compelling mm -hmm. invitations into God's presence and strong warnings of God's judgment and of his discipline mm -hmm. of, of his people. Cindy, do you mind closing us no. with a word of prayer? No. Father, we see in your word um, your question of how long will Israel be incapable of purity? And we know, Father, that is so true of our own hearts. And yet, Father, you have provided one for us that is, is pure. And we thank you for the amazing life and gift that Christ is to us. And may we, Father, cry out to him. May we seek him. May he be our hope and our salvation because you have provided. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.